Are you ready for the word? Go to Colossians chapter 1, please, verse 28 to verse 29. Colossians 1, 28 to verse 29. You know, there's much confusion um, in the world and also in the church, unfortunately, about the gospel, about the gospel. One reason many, many people you know have not yet received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, do not identify themselves as, a, as Christians or may not and do not attend church regularly, is because there is confusion about what makes a man a Christian. Uh, confusion about what the Christian message is. If you talk to many of those people who are not involved in ch church or who do not identify themselves as Christians, they will tell you that they don't like the message or they don't like the messenger or they don't like Christians in general. And for that reason, you know, they're not going to become a Christian or they're not going to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They don't like the message. They don't like the messengers. They don't like Christians in general. Now, if you were to probe a little further, you will often find that they are convinced that they know what the Bible says. <laughs> okay? And, and, have, and since they know what the Bible says, they have made a judgment concerning the message of the Bible. And they don't agree with it or they don't like it. Or those who preach it don't practice it. And so for that reason, they are not Christian. Uh, but even though they would claim they know the message, if you were to ask some questions and listen, you would find that for the most part, they really have no idea what the true gospel is. They're confused. Uh, they, they don't know what the gospel is. They don't know really what we mean by the gospel of Jesus Christ a.k.a. the gospel of grace, a.k.a. the gospel of the kingdom of God, a.k.a. the gospel of peace, a.k.a. the gospel of salvation. And you see, it's the same gospel, folks. There are not five or ten different gospels. It's what? One gospel that is called by different names based upon what the Holy Spirit wants to emphasize the aspect of the gospel that is being emphasized at a particular point. Now, unfortunately, the confusion in the world is probably largely because of the confusion in the church. Because, again, among us as Christians, if I were to ask what is the gospel, there would be so many different answers here. And if you go beyond the church and you were to ask other people who attend other churches, unfortunately, there is confusion even within the church among us concerning what the gospel is. Uh, and so we need to do a better job as preachers in communicating what the gospel is to make it more clear for the people of God. And the people of God need to do a better job at truly listening and learning uh, so that we are in agreement with the scriptures 
concerning the gospel. Last week, I told you that, uh, that a very prominent minister who has much influence, even though he's now late, um, defines the gospel as the gospel of the kingdom. And indeed, the gospel is the gospel of the kingdom. And so it is true, we preach the gospel of the kingdom. But where the confusion was when he began to distinguish the gospel of the kingdom, which Jesus preached from the gospel of the kingdom, which Paul preached, because it's not two different gospels. Are you hearing me? Uh, and when he went so far as to say that we ought not to be preaching Christ, we ought to be preaching the kingdom, that somehow Satan managed to deceive even the early church, including the apostles, to move them away from preaching the kingdom to preaching Christ, to suggest that for that reason Christianity is boring because we're not preaching the kingdom, we're preaching Christ. And then in, when, when that was challenged, his response, because somebody challenged him by saying, but wait a minute, Paul preached Christ. His response was, well, that's Paul, that's not Jesus. As though Paul preached a message that he did not receive from Jesus. That's a problem. See, that's the kind of stuff that will confuse the people of God. Now, this week, I, I, I received another excerpt from another well-known preacher, uh, a Nigerian apostle, who has a good reputation. And so I was again surprised to receive, to hear him teaching uh, again, in this case, challenging the apostle Paul once again suggesting that Paul wrote some things in the epistles that were wrong, that Paul actually gave permission to an unmarried person, an unmarried woman, to sleep with a man. Yeah. And, and in his message, he really elevated himself to the same level of Paul. He's an apostle. Paul is an apostle. So his teaching carried the same level of authority as Paul's. I don't know where these guys get this kind of, kind of boldness from. Honestly, I'm glad I'm too timid <laughs> and too, too mindful of how little I know for me to dare to think that I can sit in judgment over the apostle Paul and I can tell Paul you're wrong. Where, where that comes from? What kind of, I don't know where it comes from. But they seem to be able to feel that they have such authority, such insight, such revelation that they can look at scripture because if it's in that Bible, it's scripture as far as I'm concerned. But the, the Bible says all scripture is inspired by God. 
All scriptures, God breathed. So when you read something that the apostle Paul wrote by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and then instead of submitting yourself to that revelation, you decide that that revelation is wrong. You should listen to me. That should be cause for some real concern. Now, both of these ministers are not on the fringes of Christianity. These people are at the very center of, of what is happening right now in the body of Christ. And for men with such influence to be speaking in that manner, uh, separating Paul from Jesus and, and being able to sit in judgment over Paul's writings and to be able to say things Paul wrote were wrong. Now you need to listen to me because I want to tell you the truth. Listen, if you ever hear a preacher putting himself in the position to be the judge of scripture or to be able to judge Apostle Paul's message and determine that he was wrong here, there. Listen to me. I'm not saying throw him away because none of us know all things. But listen with a, very carefully with a grain of salt to what else he has to say based upon that so-called revelation. Do you understand? Say all scripture is God breathe. That means God is the one who inspired. Paul was a man, yes. But according to the scriptures, Paul was chosen, not you and me. Each of us has our assignment. I wasn't chosen to write scripture. Paul was. My job is to understand what Paul wrote. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and preach what he wrote, not judge what he wrote, because that makes me, to some degree, judging God and what God had to say about salvation. All right? So when you Hear anybody, I don't care how gifted they are, how, how right they may be in so many other areas. If you hear anybody, one, questioning the authority of Scripture and the authority of those who under the anointing wrote Scripture. Maybe some other time you could have met Paul and and, and, and talk to Paul about some other things, but, but not when Paul is writing scripture. So if you ever hear anyone judging, sitting in judgment of scripture and saying, the Bible said this, but I say this, or the Bible said this, but I feel this, or Paul said this, but this is what I think, Listen to me, shut your ears. Because nothing he or she is about to say is going to be in alignment with what God has already said. There are just certain boundaries you 
should not cross. Let me give you three. We can differ on a lot of things, but here are three things, three boundaries you should not cross. One, never, never, never question the deity and the humanity of Jesus. Are you hearing me? Anybody who's teaching or preaching anything that suggests that Jesus was not fully God and not fully man, listen to me, shut your ears to that. Because if you allow that to enter your mind and heart, you have created an opening for Satan to lead you away from the truth. Say, Jesus is God, fully God, and fully man. Secondly, never allow or permit yourself to accept any teaching that questions the divine authority and the inspiration of the Bible. There are many things we don't understand. And when we don't understand, it's okay to say we don't understand. But know this, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable. Amen? God gave us the Bible in order to reveal to us the things he wants us to know. And it is those things that we ought to know and those things we ought to believe. Say all scripture is inspired of God. And here's the third thing. Here's a boundary. Never, never question or listen to anybody that will question the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ, his burial and his resurrection on our behalf. Jesus died, Paul said, according to my gospel. Jesus was buried and Jesus arose from the dead according to the gospel. And he did not die for himself. He died for the sins of the world. And it is faith in him, his death, his burial, his resurrection that obtains salvation for all who believe. If you understand, say, I understand. Say amen. That's the boundary. Draw the line and don't allow anybody to entice you to cross those boundaries. I don't care how powerful they may seem, how many miracles they may work. None of that changes what God has said. Are you here? All right. So now let's look at Colossians chapter 1 verse 28. Let's read together. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Go to verse 29. 
To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Now these are the verses that I want to bring to your attention in particular this morning. And I want to deal with this on four categories. Amen. We may not have time to spend a lot of time on each of those categories. But I want us to deal with this under four categories. Category number one, I want us to consider the subject matter of our preaching and of our believing. Two, I want us to consider the manner of our preaching. Thirdly, I want to consider the motivation or the motive for our preaching. And lastly, I want us to consider the method of our preaching and of our believing. Are you ready? Say matter, manner, motive, method. So go back to verse 28. Here is the matter. Here is the subject matter. Here is the substance. This is what we preach because this is what you are supposed to believe. This is what I preach because this is what I am supposed to believe. This is what I preach because this is what I'm told to preach. Say him. Say him. Him we preach. We don't preach ourselves. It is him we preach. We don't preach and point men to some man-made philosophy or private interpretation. We preach him. What do we do? We preach him. Now, the identity of the one we preach is obvious because Paul spent the entire first chapter of Colossians talking about him. And so he's concluding all that he has already said about him. And so you were to go to verse 27, go to verse 27 very quickly. Let's read it together. To them, God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So, who did Paul preach? Who did Paul preach? Who should I preach? All of you ministers, who should you be preaching? Believe us when you are testifying. Who should you be testifying to? Who should you be believing? Who should you be trusting in? Who should you be looking to for salvation? What is his name? Amen. God has one message. And it is him. He is the message. And so no matter what other things you may seek or talk about, if at the end of the day, 
is not pointing men to Jesus. It is not because of Jesus. If it's not for the glory of Jesus, if it is not building faith in Jesus, if it is not deepening people's love for Jesus, their obedience to Jesus, if Jesus is not at the core of anything you're teaching or preaching, you may call it a gospel, but that's not gospel. And that's not Christianity. Christianity from A to Z is Jesus. I said Christianity from A to Z is? So who did Paul preach? Well, this is not the only place, but let me give you a few samples just to reinforce this truth. Go to, go to 1 Corinthians one twenty-three, please. Let's just read that. First, let's, 1 Corinthians one let Let's read it together. This is Paul again. But we preach to Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and the Greeks foolishness. We preach to Christ crucified. That means we preach the message of his death, burial, and resurrection. To many is foolishness. To the Jews is a stumbling block. But to us who believe, that is, we Christians, go to verse 24. We who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is who? The power of God and the wisdom of God. The Bible says in him you will find all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So how can anybody say Christianity is boring because you are preaching Christ? Who do we preach? Who did Paul preach? What is our message? Let's look at another passage, 1 Corinthians 2.2. 2. And I pray this be your heart's and my heart's attitude. 1 Corinthians 2.2. 2. Let's read this. For I determined not to know anything among you So here's the problem. We think that message is too simple, so we want to go deep. That's all you preach is Christ. That's all you preach is Christ. You just talk about his crucifixion. You talk about his death, resurrection. That is too simple. That is for babies. That is, you got to go beyond that. And then people want to become deep. The next thing you know, they're going back to Judaism. And you see them with their prayer. Jeez, and, and, and they're, they're respecting the Sabbaths and, and, and they're going right back under the law because they want to be deep. And unfortunately, Christians who are so gullible fall for that. And you see, <laughs> folks who grew up, who should know better, you see them now putting this stuff on their head as though somehow that is going to give you now access to God. You know what gives you access to God? Jesus Christ and him crucified. It is his blood that causes you to be able to come boldly to the throne of grace. And you can have all of that, those garments on. If you are not coming in the name of Jesus, if your faith is not in the blood of Jesus, you're not entering God's presence. No prayer is going to be heard. You will come like the Pharisee. You will pray to yourself and you will go back. 
by yourself. Are you understanding? Paul said, and Paul was a very educated man. Paul had the, today he would have the equivalent of a graduate from Harvard with, with several degrees, advanced degrees, a scholar, respected. This man with all this education said, I've, I've studied all that stuff. And now whenever I hear it and all of those things, it's just, it's just nonsense to me. It's dumb. What I now want to know is Jesus Christ and, and you and I will spend all our lives getting to know him. We haven't even scratched the surface yet concerning Jesus Christ and him crucified. Are you listening to me? Now I could give you so many more scriptures but we don't have time. But hear this, you know, there's a saying, all roads lead to Rome. That means no matter where you lived, what town or village, you could leave that village and it would take you to Rome. Hear me, as a Christian, all roads lead to Jesus Christ. If the road you're on is leading to a Christless kingdom, you're on the wrong road. If you're teaching about family and how to have great family and your teaching doesn't lead to Christ, you're on the wrong road. If you're teaching about finances and the teaching on finances do not lead to Christ, that's the wrong road. Are you hearing me? Yeah, there are many things we can talk about in the kingdom, but if it is the message of God, no matter where you start, it has to end. It has to point to. In some way, it has to be connected to Jesus or you don't have the message yet. There's something fundamentally missing in your understanding of God's will if you are teaching what you consider God's will and Jesus Christ is not at the center. Raise your hand and say, thank you, Father. For Jesus. This is what Jesus said. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. So if you are pointing people to anyone or anything other than Jesus you are pointing them away from the way. You are pointing them away from the truth. You are pointing them away from the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. If you are pointing them to anyone or thing other than Jesus, you are pointing them away from the Father. Preachers in the house, we preach. Harvest us, we preach. Why? Because he is the way, the truth, the life. Why? Because there is salvation in none other except him. Why? Because it is only those who call upon the name of Jesus who can be saved. 
We preach Christ because it is he in whom the fullness of God dwells. We preach Christ because he's the lamb of God, the only lamb that takes away the sins of the world. We preach him. There's salvation in no other. So in your efforts to be deep, if you leave Jesus out or you reduce Jesus, you are really shallow. Okay, we preach him, we proclaim him. That word, that word preach is also translated proclaim. So let me, let me quickly move. That was the message of Jesus now, the manner, the manner. Say, we proclaim him, warning every man and teaching every man the manner that we preach him and the, and the manner in which we believe in him. Listen to me. We proclaim. Now that word proclaim, I looked it up. It means to declare openly. To declare clearly. To declare convincingly with certainty. Listen to me. We don't proclaim him as speculation. We don't say, well, let's speculate. He may or may not be, but let's speculate. Let's theorize. Let's postulate. No, 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 no. That's not how he is to be presented. When we present him, we proclaim him. We proclaim him Savior. We proclaim him Lord. We proclaim him resurrection and life. We proclaim him king of kings. We proclaim him Lord of lords. We proclaim him son of God. We proclaim him son of man. We proclaim him. We declare it openly. We declare it publicly. We declare it convincingly. We don't speculate. It's not a question of whether he is or not. He is. And the reason we know he is because he died, he was buried, and on the third day, just like he said, he arose from the grave. And, and, and how do we know he arose from the grave? Because he stuck around. Hallelujah. He stuck around, and the Bible tells us that for many days, 40 days afterwards, he kept appearing to his disciples. Not to one. Amen. To one, to two, to 12, one time to 500. And then Paul said, as though I was born out of time. I was born too late. Yet he appeared also to me years after he had died. And I saw him. John the apostle said, the things we're talking about are not things we're speculating about. He says, we saw him, we touched him, we handled him, and what we're telling you are things concerning the word of life. We're telling you what we saw. Now, you need to understand, these disciples were like you and me. 
When Jesus was arrested and put on that cross, they ran for their lives because none of them wanted to be the next one to be crucified. None of them wanted to die for a lie or for a false prophet. And in their mind, when he was dying on that cross, it made them think that maybe everything he had said wasn't true. They fled. And then three days later, the same people who are running for their lives, hiding, they are standing up in the public and they're saying, basically, you can kill me if you want. I am no longer afraid. I am no longer running. I'm no longer scared. I'm willing to go to prison. I'm willing to be rejected by my family. I'm willing no longer to be considered a member of the Jewish nation. I'm willing to be cast out, beaten stone. I'm willing because what I have experienced is too real for me to, to have any doubt. This man who you crucified, who we saw die, who was put in the tomb, he arose. He appeared to us. We saw him. We touched him. We felt him. And Thomas would say, yeah, I was one of those who refused to believe because I could not believe that that man who we saw die on the cross was alive. And so even though they told me, Mary told me, Peter and the disciples told me, I told them I will not believe until I see him for myself. But I'm not even going to trust my sight. I need to touch him. And there Jesus appeared to him and said, okay, Thomas, you are still doubting. Here are my hands. Here is my side. Go ahead and touch me. Feel it. If you have to see to believe, then here, see, here, feel, here, touch. I am not a ghost. I'm the same one who died on the cross and who was buried. And I told you on the third day, I will rise again. Say hallelujah. So we proclaim him. We declare it convincingly. Not speculating. The Luke, the physician, a medical doctor, and you know medical doctors, they, they want the signs, they want the facts. They don't want speculation. So Luke began to write and in Acts chapter 1. Go to verse 1 and 3, 1 through 3, please. He wrote, and this is what he said. He's saying, listen, I am writing down history. Acts 1, 1 to 3. I'm writing down history. Let's read this together. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began. In the Gospels, he began. Go, go on. Until the day in which he was taken up, after he threw the Holy Spirit. Now, let me ask you, do these words sound like somebody making up stuff? I mean, you know human, you know human beings. All right. Do these words even sound like somebody's just making up stuff? Or do they sound like something someone really believes and is therefore writing? Go on. To whom he also presented himself after his suffering. By what? How many? Many infallible proofs. The disciples required many infallible proofs before they would believe this message. And Jesus presented it to them. Being seen by them during 
40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God. But whenever you're preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God, you're preaching about the king. You see, you, you can go to, to, to the United Kingdom and be in Britain and never meet the queen. <laughs> you can't be in the kingdom without having a relationship with the king because the king is the kingdom. And so when you preach things concerning the kingdom, you're preaching about the king. The message of the kingdom is you can now belong to this realm where Jesus Christ reigns as your king. And because he is your king, you now come under his special protection. Because he's your king, he is now responsible for your welfare and your well-being. Because he's your king, he will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Because he's your king, you don't have to worry about what you eat or drink because the king will see to it that your needs are supplied. That's the gospel of the kingdom. You're not just a citizen of Sierra Leone. Ah, yeah, yeah. You're not just a citizen of Liberia. You're not just a citizen of the United States. You get to belong to that realm where Jesus, the thing that makes the kingdom good news is that the king that rules over that kingdom is Jesus, the good, the great, the gracious, and the glorious one. Now is reigning over your life. He is now Lord of your life. And as king over your life, he takes responsibility for your well-being. Say hallelujah. Amen. So the manner is to preach it by declaring it. There's no speculation. But he said, warning and teaching. Say warning and teaching. So the manner by which we proclaim the king includes warning and teaching. Heard a, heard a black preacher say, well, you, sometimes you got to let them go home mad. And sometimes send them home glad. But you got to preach the whole gospel. Amen. When, you, when, when you're preaching about Jesus, sometimes some of the things you're going to say will make them mad. Because you're going to tell them that Jesus Christ owned them. You're going to tell them that Jesus Christ is their Lord. You're going to tell them, listen to me, if you die without him, you, you, if you don't repent, if you don't change your mind, if you keep rejecting him, if you keep living as though you are God yourself, if you keep acting as though you are good and you don't need him, listen, if you keep rejecting his lordship and his kingdom, you will face a future and eternity in hell. Warn them. 
Because if they die without Christ, they're lost forever. Warn them, because there's no other means by which they can be saved except through him. Warn them, because their religions will not save them. Warn them, because their philosophies will not deliver them from hell. Warn them, because one day, every man will stand before the judgment seat of God, of Christ, to give an account before him. Warn them, because when their works are judged on the basis of his perfect holiness, they all will fall short. Warn them, because if they stand before God without Jesus as their mediator, their high priest, without faith in his blood, they will be lost forever. They'll get mad when you tell them there's no other way. There are not ten ways. They get mad when you tell them it's not all about love. All God wants us to do is to love. No, they get mad when you tell us God is holy. God is just. That those who are without Christ abide under the wrath of God. You got to warn them. Tell them where they went wrong, the preacher said. But also help them to do right. And so you got to teach them. Teach them. By preaching him. Teach them by showing them the way. Teach them by pointing to his death, burial, and resurrection for their salvation. Teach them. Proclaim who he is. Proclaim what he has done. Proclaim what he will do for them. Teach them. Now we don't have time, but if we did, you go to the book of Colossians. Just look at chapter 1 and you will see that the way we proclaim him first of all is to proclaim who he is. And Paul has a list of things and Paul was just beginning. But Paul said he is the image of the invisible God. He is the creator of all things. Paul said he owns all things and everything that exists, exists because he created them and continue to exist because he sustains them. Oh, you got to hear me. You got to hear me. You got to proclaim who he is because, hear me, you are here today because he created you. Before you were, he is. For he is the Alpha and Omega, he is eternal. Before creation was, he is, because he is not himself created. But he who himself is not created, created all things. Principalities and powers, stars, bones, planets, and his most important creation was you. He created you. And the reason you're here is because Jesus Christ, Son of God, image of God, reconciler, peacemaker, whatever else you want to call him, made the decision to create you, cause you to be. And the reason you continue to be is because he sustains you. Are uh, you hearing the Bible says by him all things are held together. The reason your bones are holding together, the reason your body is holding together, the reason your heart and your lungs are holding together, the reason the atoms, the molecules in your body are holding together and are functioning is because he who caused you to be is also the one who is sustaining you by his 
power. Proclaim who he is without apology. Then proclaim what he did. And again, if you look at Paul's writings just in this epistle alone, just in chapter one alone, you see all the things that he did. The Bible tells us he delivered you from the kingdom of darkness. Are you hearing me? He translated you into the kingdom of his son. So what did he do in redemption? He freed you from the power of Satan. Satan's power is broken. Later on in Colossians, he says he spoiled principalities and powers. He made an open show of them. He did it. He did it for you. He did it for you. He delivered you from the power of Satan. He brought you into his kingdom where he can provide for you, protect you, and take care of you. Are you hearing me? It says that now you have redemption to forgiveness of sins. He paid a price with his own precious blood in order to obtain for you forgiveness so that now and forevermore you are free of judgment, wrath, and condemnation because all your sins, past, present, and future, have been taken away. Oh, somebody say amen. He did it. He did it. So we proclaim him by proclaiming who he is. We proclaim him by proclaiming what he has already done, what he has already finished. He chose you. He delivered you. He brought you into his kingdom. He made you righteous. He made you holy. And the Bible says not only has he done these things, you also preach him because of what he will do. He will come again. The Bible says the same Jesus that you see going up, he's going to come again in like manner. What will he do? He will come again. What will he do? Paul said he's going to present you to God. Holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in God's sight. Say hallelujah! Quickly. Message, subject matter, him. Manner, proclaim him. Warn and teach. Motive. Go back to Acts, I mean to Colossians chapter 1, verse 28. He says that I may, verse, verse 28 please, that we may present Every man, perfect. What is, the, what is the motive? That every man might hear the gospel. We preach him that every man may have the opportunity to be saved. That's why our vision here at Harvest is a world where no one lives and no one dies without Christ. Every man needs to hear the gospel. Every black man, every white man, every Asian man, every... Indian man. Every man needs to hear the gospel. Every tribe, every Nigerian man, every Igbo man, every Yoruba man, every uh, Ghana, every Ghana, every Ghana. Ghana. She's telling me about Liberia. Ghana. 
Congo. Come on, tell me some tribes. Rwanda, come on, call some tribes in your country. Call some tribes. Call you. Yeah, call, call those tribes. Call them, call them, call them. Call them, call them. Father, in Jesus' name, may every man in every tribe, in every nation, of every ethnic group, of every race, hear this gospel. May we proclaim him so that every man can hear the gospel and be safe. Oh God, a world where no one lives or dies without Christ. The motive for preaching him is that every man might be saved, but not just saved. God's purpose in redemption is not just to deliver us from hell. No, no, God's great purpose is that every man who is saved will grow up and become a mature, perfect in Christ Jesus. That word perfect means fully developed, fully mature, conformed to the image of Jesus. Oh yeah, we preach him so that you can get saved. But after you get saved, we continue to preach him. Because it is the preaching of him that will cause you to grow. It is the knowledge of him that will cause you to mature. Because the more you hear him preach, and the more you understand who he is, and the more you grasp the depth of his love, the depth of his power, the more you come to know him. When you see him through the preaching of the word, you are being transformed by the very revelation from glory to glory, you are being perfected. Paul said that he called us and he has ordained us that we be conformed to the image of Jesus. You keep preaching him first to get them saved, but you keep preaching him to perfect them. And you keep hearing him. You keep listening. You keep seeking him. You keep seeking to hear of him because you know it is the hearing of Christ. It is the knowledge of Christ that will cause you to grow. If we would truly listen, we won't need as much counseling. Thank God if it's there and you need it, use it. But if we truly, truly focus on knowing him, the revelation of him, his love, his grace, his power, his mercy, his goodness, his glory, that is in us already, for Christ in you. And brothers, that revelation will transform you into his image. So keep preaching him and you keep listening and keep hearing and keep learning of him. That's the motivation that everyone might be saved. That's the motivation that those who are saved will grow up and mature and become just like him. Conformed, say A, in their attitude. Conformed, say B, in their beliefs. Conformed, say C, in their character and their conduct. Conformed, say D, in their desires. Keep preaching him that we might become more and more like him until the day will come when we will be just like him. There is no other message that has the power to transform you. No other message that has the power to change you.
No other message has the power to make you like him. It's the message of Christ. Preach Christ crucified. That changes us from the inside out. Keep preaching him, church. Keep hearing him preached. Keep learning of him in Jesus' name. And then lastly, let me, I can't comment much on this, but the manner, the, the method, the last is the method. Go to verse 29. Verse 29. To this end, I labor. Say the method requires me to work. The method requires me to be willing to sacrifice. That word labor and striving means to the point of instruction. How many of you know that doing God's will, getting this gospel to the world, making sure that everyone hears it, making sure that it's preached and we keep preaching it and the whole world hears it, it's going to require some labor, some sacrifice, some hard work, some sleepless nights, some long days, sometimes causing you to fall asleep while preparing a sermon. We preachers know what I'm talking about. But you labor. You don't sit down and say, Jesus, go to the hospital. You go and say, now, Jesus, go in me. You don't say, Jesus, send the missionaries and then sit down. You say, Jesus, send them through me. And that's why Paul said, I labor, I strive, but I don't just labor in my strength. I labor according to his working, his energy, his power, which is working in me mightily. So here is, here is the method. You labor as though it depends on you, but you rest inwardly as though it depends on him. Because at the end of the day, the method is Christ in you. Are you hearing me? So here is the method, I labor, I sacrifice, I give as though the salvation of the world depends on what I do outwardly. But then I rest inwardly, even as I work outwardly, as though it all depends upon him. So Paul said, somebody sowed, another person watered, but God gives the increase. At the end of the day, it's Christ working in and through us. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Come on. Amen. 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 Did you receive something today? Yeah. Are you going to listen and put this into practice? Yeah. What are we going to do? We're going to what? Preach him. What are we going to do? Preach him. And we're going to preach him in the manner and the with the motive and the method presented to us through the example of the Apostle Paul. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Listen, if you're watching, all of this that I've said would be in vain. If I don't say to you now, if you don't have him, if you have not yet believed on him, the one that we have preached about, let me say this to you. God loves you. He so loved you that he gave his only begotten son for you. 
so that you would not perish. The warning is, if you die without him, you will perish. That's a fact. The good news is you don't have to perish because God gave his son for you. And right now, if you will receive Jesus Christ by faith as your Savior, as your Lord, and say, Lord, I cannot save myself. I receive you, though, as my Savior. If you are willing to place your, 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 your faith in the death of Jesus for you and trust him with your salvation right now, he'll take care of your sin problem. And he'll become your Lord and Savior. You will enter his kingdom where he will become responsible for you. Good news. And those of you who are here, if you have not yet received Jesus, you can be in this place, hear these sermons, say amen, and still not receive Jesus Christ. Place your faith in him. Still trust in yourself. Still live your life the way you want. If you know you have not yet received Jesus as your Savior, and you're not trusting him for your salvation, let's settle that matter right now. In Jesus' name. Everybody, please pray with me. Say, Father God, I thank you for Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. I believe he's the Son of God. I believe he died for the sins of the world. I cannot save myself. I am a sinner. I am facing judgment, but I want deliverance. I need the Savior. So this morning, Lord Jesus, I confess you. As my Savior, I put my faith in you to save my soul. I declare you as the Lord of my life, and I receive the gift that comes from you. Salvation and eternal life is mine now in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Good news if you pray that prayer, not just with your lips, but with your heart. Every sin is gone. You're in the kingdom. Jesus is now your Lord and Savior. And yes, one day you will face him, but when you face him, he will say to you, you bless him, my father. Enter into that kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So be it. Contact us if you're here and you just received Christ or you want to grow spiritually. We can help you and we want to help you. But you got to help us to help you. Go ahead and text the word M-A-F, M. -A -F, M -A -F. No, info, excuse me. Text the word info to 301-588-8099 and you will see an option there. With the information you fill, we will be able to contact you and show you how we can help you grow spiritually. Now, you may have been in this church for years and you still need that help. Go ahead, even if you've been here for 10 years and you know that you need to grow spiritually, you want to get serious about your spiritual life, go ahead and text info and you will get the opportunity there to fill out a certain form that will allow us to help you to grow in Jesus' name.